Hello, Blank Green Canvas listeners. Do you enjoy this podcast? If so, please consider becoming a supporter on Anchor. You can support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. Monthly contributions range from $0.99 cents a month to $4.99 a month and $9.99 a month. Visit anchor.fm slash blank dash green dash canvas and click support this podcast to become a monthly contributor. Hello, everybody. This is Noah Villaverde, host of the Blank Green Canvas podcast, back again after about a month, actually, uh, since the last time I did a podcast. Believe it or not, the last time I did a podcast was also on A Clown with It Chapter 2, but thankfully I am back, and this time I am joined by a returning guest. Uh, He hasn't been here in a few months, but I'm glad to be back with him again. Please welcome John Maffio. How are you doing today, John? Hello, everybody. I'm glad to be back. Thank you. I'm doing well. Nice. I'm just hanging out here in New York. Of course. And uh, you have any, I remember, do you have any plans this week? I actually, yeah, I'm actually really busy this week. I've been, I mean, I work my day job usual, but I'm going to Florida in a couple of days. I'm going to be doing the Halloween Horror Nights in Orlando. And I'm also be checking out Galaxy's Edge in Disney. That nice. That should be pretty cool. I'm trying to keep my expectations low so I don't freak out. <laughs> I'm excited. Nice. That is, that is cool. I went to Galaxy's Edge, uh... In Disneyland in California back in August and that was cool uh, both parks in California and Florida don't have that one ride open yet but you will be getting that I think in December but God willing like they somehow manage to do like soft openings miraculously when I you're know. there <laughs> if that yeah, would be I was thinking about the two but I feel like it's too early it's or it will be like a month and a half away yeah a month point. and a half away at least yeah but in Florida it opens in December mine opens in January but then again California got the land first so it's like I guess yeah, it's like you a... guys should be getting the, the ride first too but <laughs> it is what it is though I guess they really wanted to keep an under wraps but uh that's cool I've, I've never been to Horror Nights like uh, I've been to Universal many times the one in California at least and I've been to the Florida one uh, once when I went there a couple years back and uh, I always wanted to go to Horror Nights because the mazes seem cool uh, a couple years back I was a little too scared to go in them but nowadays I'm a little older I'm a little more interested in that you know like uh, any maze any of the mazes that excite you yeah, the other few I just just in general I think they do a really good job of building the mazes too and they always get some interesting properties IPs they use on a yearly basis like this year they have a uh, house of a thousand corpses is one of them Nice. Accompanied with the Rob Zombie scare zone area next door to it. Fitting. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Stranger Things season three and two because they always do a good job with the set on that. Right. And the other big one is, I guess, but Ghostbusters is their premiere maze this year. Hmm. And I don't think it's going to be particularly scary, but I'm just interested in seeing how they recreate a lot of the iconic moments. Yeah, that's cool. That, that, that is That sounds exciting. Like, I, maybe one of the. In the next year or so, I'll go to the one in California. I'd love to go someday, you know. It's weird. Yeah, you would really enjoy it. It's a cool event yeah. that they put on. It's kind of weird that October is going by pretty quick. I got to say, September just flew by. Like, uh, yeah, I agree. <laughs> it, went, it, it, it was like September didn't exist. It, September was a bit of a, a weird month for me. Like, a lot has been happening, you know. Like, and a lot happened this week, too, that I'd not get into. But uh, anyways, that's not why we're here. We're here to discuss um, a very uh, non-controversial film that came out last week. Uh, it's called Joker. 
There's no dis- controversial at all. There is no discourse around it at all. Nothing going on. No uh, fights online. No drama. Nothing. Of course not. Uh, there, there's been a lot on that. We'll touch on uh, the nature of the discourse maybe a little bit uh, later in this podcast. But um, before we get into the movie itself, um, obviously the Joker is the is Batman's um, biggest enemy, and in a lot of ways he is absolutely the greatest comic book villain of all time how widely considered that and uh he's one of the most iconic villains in all of pop culture so uh, there have been different iterations of him whether it's like caesar romero from the original um 1960s adam west series jack nicholson obviously with michael keaton's movie in the 89 from tim burton you know of course uh heath ledger jared leto and also mark hamill the voice of that sorry if you hear my dog barking but anyways um like uh, bef- and um, now we have Joaquin Phoenix. So with that in mind, I'm just gonna ask uh, John. Like when you look back at all those Jokers, um, what stands out to you about uh, most of them or any of them? I mean, I'm, I think they're all good in their respective rights. I never, I mean, no disrespect to Caesar Romero. I think he's. I've, I've seen more of him in my as I gotten older. But I guess the ones that resonate with me the most are Jack Nicholson's Joker, Heath Ledger's Joker, and Mark Hamill's Joker. Because I grew up watching the original Batman movies, the Tim Burton ones, and I don't think he, so. Jack Nicholson's a great actor, but I think um, if I'm comparing, if I'm like going on to so too, I think Heath Ledger is the best out of all of them. He has limited screen time, but I think he does the most with. It's a combination of great writing, great direction, and great acting on his part. Um, may he rest in peace, always. Yeah, of course. Um, but yeah, just he left such a, a big imprint. In, in the movie theaters when we all saw that. Like, I knew watching it in theater, like, it was going to be something that we'd be talking about forever. Yeah. And then Mark Hamill, you can't... Like, he's icon- his voice is iconic. And I just I don't know what to say, but he's one of the best voice actors out there besides being Luke Skywalker. <laughs> and uh, I, I watched the animated series a lot. Yeah, same here. Kid. Same here. Like, I forget, like, it, you sometimes you forget, like, when you were younger, the certain the shows that you watch, but that was one of the most crucial shows of my childhood. Absolutely. It's a brilliant animated series, one of the greatest animated series I think ever made. And uh, in a lot of ways, it's some of the best iterations of uh, the Cape Crusader that we'll ever get because it really combines the comic book nature of it, but also delves deep into what makes Bruce Wayne and all the other characters in Gotham City human in a way, you know, like... uh, like um, a lot of people don't like Jared Leto's Joker. I'm I'm part of that camp. I'm not a big fan of it. But I think I agree. But I think that's mainly because they really didn't give him anything to do. And uh, I my problem with it is that the Joker should be a gangster. You know, like Al Capone style gangster. I, I like that kind of approach with the Joker, which you know Jack Nicholson uses. But uh, they made him a gangsta, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. I do. Like uh, <laughs> I do know exactly what you mean. Like gangsta, as in like he's hanging out with Rick Ross for some reason. <laughs> or in this case, it was common. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about the purple Lamborghini music video. I still can't believe that's I'm a thing. Big Meech, Larry Hoover. <laughs> Man, it's it's. I mean, Jared Leto's a really uh, fantastic actor. It's just that um, they didn't give him oh, yeah. much to do at all in that movie. He just existed just to be the Joker for Harley in that film. You know, so it's mm-hmm. that's just a part of the myriad of issues that that film had. But yeah, obviously, yeah, well, opportunity. Yeah, but obviously, like Heath Ledger. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's obvious because uh, you know, he passed away before the movie came out, and there's a bit of a gravitas to the performance. Sadly, that glows around it because that was his last finished role. 
But yeah. take that away, it's still like an iconic, instant classic performance that everyone still talks about. And in a lot of ways, it kind of paved the way for a movie like Joaquin Phoenix's Joker to uh, be made. So, uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, you look at that, like, um, you know, Jack Nicholson, obviously, like, uh, like I grew up watching that movie, too, you know, and I enjoy that film. And Jack Nicholson's a good part of that. Jack Nicholson's one of uh, my favorite actors of all time, so obviously, like, he's just going to kill it there. Um, and, and I haven't watched uh, the 60s series as much as others have, you know. I've seen some episodes, and a lot of them had Cesar Romero in them. And um, I, I like his Joker, too. He really did kind of set set the thing up for, like, how pop culture defined him, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, that's basically, like, a, a lot of those Jokers, you know, because... Uh, the way uh, people react to whenever he's cast, it just goes to show how coveted of a role that character is, you know. So when they yeah, announced... You're always excited to see who's going to be next. Absolutely. It's a weird thing. Because they announced uh, Joaquin Phoenix was going to play Joker in a standalone uh, Elseworlds kind of movie with uh, Todd Phillips, director of The Hangover, directing it. Martin Scorsese originally was attached to produce the film. But he didn't end up uh, producing it. But you could tell the influence that he has on this film, which we're going to get into right now. Uh, we're going to go give our spoiler-free thoughts on Joker. And then we're going to get into spoiler-filled thoughts a little bit later on. So I'm just going to ask you, John, um, what did you think of Todd Phillips' Joker? So I, I had a really apprehensive feeling going into the movie. I didn't know what to really expect. I mean, I've seen the trailers, but... I knew we were going to get a really solid performance from Joaquin Phoenix, and it visually looked incredible, too. And basically, there's no surprise there. That's, there's, there's, those are two elements that were strong about the movie. I think the movie has a feel to it visually that separ- separates it from other comic book movies, and it's just it just makes it feel like it's more grounded in reality. Uh, I really like Joaquin Phoenix in the role. I th- he's, on, he's in the movie like 99% of the frame. Like He's in 99% of the film. He's in every scene, I'm pretty sure. And I think he gives, I don't want to, I don't want to say the word iconic, but he gives a performance that people aren't going to forget, I feel like, given the nature and the trajectory of the story that this character goes through. Um, I really like the music. Uh, I was listening to the Collider podcast, and Christian Harloff mentioned how the music kind of descends with him as a character, and I kind of agree. And the music kind of adds this element to the film that makes it more memorable and want, gives you an, an, it gives you access to want to go back and watch it again to see how that transpires. Uh, I really liked all the, the side performances, too. Supporting characters are all really good. I actually really like Thomas Wayne in this movie because you get a little ambiguity from him. I'm um, not to spoil anything. Right. Uh, but, like, you could like you could see things both sides. You could like him or not like him. But I see where he was coming from in the movie. Um, and I, I don't think the, the movie as a whole, I like it. But I think I like it more because of Joaquin Phoenix. I would, I would I'm going to definitely buy it when it comes out. But I, I'm more fascinated by him um, and his acting performance than the entire movie itself. Because, I mean, we've seen this type of movie before, obviously, with Martin Scorsese's films. And it's not a bad thing that it's, um, I guess, the insp- what's the, the, the quote that uh, copying is a, the highest form of flattery or something like Imi- that? Yeah, imitation um, is the highest form of flattery. Yes, and I would, uh, I would agree there. Um, but I really think the movie has a lot of memorable moments, too. It has a lot to say, obviously, about what's going on in our world. Yeah. Um, and there's a couple there's a couple of scenes that I have not stopped thinking about. And I saw the movie Thursday night, and I almost every day I've it's passed my mind. Right. At least once or twice. 
I think it leaves an impact, which is what you want your movie to do. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, that's that's cool to hear. So you'd certainly enjoyed the film, like even if it's derivative in a lot of ways in regards to its reverence to Scorsese, which I agree with. Um, in regards to my thoughts on the film, uh, I saw it Thursday night when it came out. Uh, I was pretty excited about the film, regardless of all the hubbaloo, hubbaloo around it, uh, good or bad. Yeah, but um, I was I've been excited for the film ever since the first trailer dropped. Well, mainly ever since those set photos of Joaquin in the role because. Like, um, I was skeptical of the whole thing because, you know, with DC right now, like, DC is still trying to find its stride, but now since they kind of gave up on, like, focusing on the shared universe aspect of everything, they're just gonna focus on just telling standalone stories, and in this case, mm-hmm. this is completely separate from the DC universe, although I'll get into, um, theories or, like, wishful thinking on my part in the spoiler section, but, um... Yeah, like, uh, I really, uh, I dug this film a lot. I actually saw it again last night with my dad, and I liked it more this second time around. Uh, It can't be stressed enough, Joaquin Phoenix is masterful in this movie, to borrow a a title from one of his best performances in The the Master, (laughs) which uh, I still consider his best performance. But this one's close. This one's close. Like, this one is just, uh, he makes the role his own, like, uh, it does, I'd say it's willing to stand toe-to-toe or alongside with his old friend, Heath Ledger. They were friends in real life back in the day. And uh, I think Heath would be proud of Joaquin's performance. He would go, like, wow, you made this character and this role your own. He is in literally every scene of the movie. He is the movie, you know? Like, uh, it should, yes. like, Joaquin Phoenix is the movie in a lot of ways. And uh, the dedication he went into the role whether it was losing all that weight around 50 pounds um the mannerisms he does and his laugh can we talk about his laugh for a second like yeah i think it's one of the most interesting parts of the movie is how they interpreted that agreed and the way i guess it's not a spoiler to talk about it right no it's not because his laugh is in the trailer and it's really mentioned in the beginning of the movie like um the context of his laugh you know, so it's like he has uncontrollable laughter and it's believed, you know, that it's as a result of a condition. And Joaquin Phoenix actually researched people who have similar ailments and he had that laugh inspired from that. And you could tell that when he's laughing, it hurts him. Like it's, he really has this fascinating way of bringing this character to life, Arthur Fleck. And um, his obsessions, the way he sees the world and the twisted way he sees it, the tragedies in his life and everything else and the revelations that we see and everything um top yeah i thought todd phillips did a solid job given his track record of mainly being a raunchy comedy director you know i thought in war dogs he exhibited like there was still comedy in that movie but he exhibited a little more range and here he 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 shows more range too i think he has potential to really get better with this kind of filmmaking you know because obviously you could tell that he's still owes a lot of that reverence to Scorsese, but I, I I think he deserves credit where it's due. And in a lot of ways... Yeah, you, still, you still have to make the movie. Yeah, and yeah. a lot of ways, the director is part of the reason why an actor can get a great performance, so I give credit to him for helping get Joaquin get a great performance. And also, like, um, let's talk about the cinematography. Stunning. Like, Oof. one of the most... Yeah, I feel like every shot is immaculately placed. Yes. And composited. Yes, it feels like... Uh, of that era, you could feel, you could almost touch Gotham, the way they shot this film, like the garbage bags everywhere, 
you know, because uh, there's a trash strike going on in Gotham City at the time. Uh, you could, it's tangible. It pops in the eye. It's it's so ironic, isn't it? Because DC has the reputation, for the most part, for mostly doing very dark films, and in a lot of ways, those dark films. While some of them look great, sometimes the aesthetic can get very bland after a while because of how dark and dour the film can be. But here, given the dark subject matter, you think it would follow that same aesthetic. But instead, it's actually very colorful, which I think adds to the brutality and the fright, the frightening nature yeah, of the story. Yeah, that contrast that people are looking for, even if they don't really notice it in their brain. Yeah, like uh, and um, in regards to the cast around Joaquin Phoenix, it's very much... They're very much supporting players, and this is Walking Phoenix's show. You know, Zazie Beetz, uh, who I'm a fan of, Robert De Niro, obviously, Brett Cullen, uh, Francis Conroy, you know, a few others are in here in, uh, in the movie that do a solid enough job, but it's Joaquin's movie, uh, and I, with, I'm there with you. There's so many scenes in this film that I keep replaying in my head, some song choices in the movie that I keep um, listening to because I just thought that the way they use those songs especially one song in particular, is just really well done. I have similar issues, similar issues as you in regards to the the heavy influence of, like, King of Comedy and Taxi Driver, especially Taxi Driver, you know, in regards to um, the structure of the film. <clears throat> yeah. But uh, I do... I really, really dig this film a lot. Like, I can't stop thinking about it. I, I do want to see it again, actually, because, one, his performance is just unbelievable like I, I can't get over that performance and uh i just thought it's a really interesting experiment for like big comic book studio like comic book movies or blockbusters to go with because you know like um people some people I, i've seen some people online criticize warner brothers going like you're wasting a valuable ip but for making a small movie like this everything should be tied together and the thing is is that marvel made the whole shared universe thing successful but that isn't always the case for every, everyone. Even Star Wars, which has seen more success than DC, critically at least, has tried to do that shared universe thing in a way, but it, doesn't, it hasn't fully worked out for them in regards That's to... That's why they picked up Kevin Feige. <laughs> yeah, in some ways, you know, like there, there's that. But like, uh, I like what DC is going with, like trying to just tell their own standalone stories, uh... They seem to be going on an upward trajectory in regards to where they're headed, obviously. You know, Aquaman, Shazam, and Joker, in a, all three in a row, have been successful in their own right. You know, like, um, I think Shazam is probably the most well-liked by critics and audiences. And that's a film I love. Uh, I'm a fan of Aquaman. I know some people weren't. I dug that. And here, um, even though critics are mostly positive yet mixed on this one, I think audiences are actually digging it from what I've noticed. Yeah, it's, it's. I don't know what this like the the audience score is, but it made ninety five million at the box office, which is the highest of October. Yeah, for an, I think it's one of the highest grossing R rated movies for a weekend. Yeah, uh, and everybody I've talked to has said they enjoyed it, except for one person, my yeah. cousin. Yeah, wasn't the biggest fan of it, <laughs> but it's getting people are talking about it. I think it's a which is what you want. It's because people want to talk about the movie, and also, uh, like a lot of people who I hear, oh, I saw it, I really liked it. They're people who aren't like you and me. They're just like normal uh, film goers who probably haven't seen Taxi Driver or King of Comedy yeah, yeah. or whatever. Like maybe the only uh, Scorsese movie they saw was Wolf of Wall Street or something. Not because it was Scorsese, but because it was like Leo DiCaprio. 
you know? Yeah, that's probably what the pull was there. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, like, they go see the movie, so they pro- they are not as familiar with those kinds of films like you and I are, or people like us. And uh, they went in going like, oh, this is a much different kind of movie than I'm used to. It, I just went in because, for better or for worse, Todd Phillips decided to make the movie because he wanted to make a crime-style movie like Scorsese. But the thing is, is that the only way to get a movie like that off the ground is if it's based on an established IP, like like DC Comics and Joker, you know? So um, he... Yeah. But um, I'm glad that he was able to get this one made because it's bold, it's wild, and um, it's a big Molotov cocktail thrown into the social discourse of pop culture and, in some cases, like, modern politics in some ways, you know, for better or for yeah, worse. Yeah, absolutely. But... Uh, but yeah, audiences seem to be like really intrigued by the movie. It's doing well. I'm glad it's doing well, and I look forward to seeing it again. Um, let's before we go go into the spoiler filled details, let's kind of touch upon uh, the commentary on the film, for better or for worse. You know. Yeah. Like uh, it. So. Uh... Yeah. So um, it it opened at the Venice Film Festival. It premiered there, and it got mostly positive buzz. In fact, it won the Golden Lion. It got a lot of good reviews from people who saw it there. <laughs> you know how fe- film festivals of that type are like. They even gave it like a 8 to 10 minute standing ovation or something like that. Can, can you ima- I can't imagine standing up and clapping for more than two minutes. No. Let alone, uh, I, can you just stand there clapping for like 20 minutes? That's like a lot of time. <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot of your day. Yeah, I haven't. Just clapping. I haven't been to a film festival, but you live in New York. Have you been to like any film festivals in New York? Yeah, I've been to New York Film Festival a couple times. A few years ago, I saw uh, Secret Life of Walter Mitty. I saw um, Inside Lewin Davis and another film at the main hall where they usually screen it with the actors there. Nice. And I was there. uh, Was the Coen brothers and like Oscar Isaac there for Lewin Davis when you were there? They were. Oh, nice. Man, I love that film. It's cool because they, they come out in the balcony and everybody stands up at the end. But like it, the, the the applause, in my experience, wasn't more than like maybe it had to be like maybe two three minutes. And you'd say the applause it wasn't like twenty five yeah. minute long. Yeah, <laughs> you'd say the applause is more of a courtesy for the filmmakers and the cast that are in the theater. Yeah, which is it's cool. Yeah, which is fine, and it's it's nice to be that. Some of it may be for the quality of the film, but in a lot of ways, it's because you're swayed by the fact that you're in the same room with them. So. I'd probably clap too, you know, just respectful, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, especially for walking. riding this high. Of course, yeah. you know, so everything is hyped up there. So there was a lot of buzz and hype for the movie in regards to like um, people who saw it at the Venice Film Festival. And then it screened at TIFF where it got still positive buzz, but some people were more mixed towards it. And then after all that happened, a lot of drama, which some people kind of saw coming from a mile away or was forecasting, mainly from like the 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 place of like film twitter which i have <laughs> i have a lot of opinions on film twitter by the way oh yeah um like the it's likes of that dan- that's that's a dangerous place not this it, movie <laughs> yeah yeah like like I, I i have i'm adjacent to film twitter just by nature of writing for a website and i'm having to use twitter but uh film twitter is in some cases there's some funny memes that i'll retweet here and there <laughs> you know, like I love A24, so there's some memes related to A24 movies that I love to retweet that I think are hilarious. But man, like film Twitter kind of reminds me of like why I don't necessarily like to engage with that kind of s- field as much. 
you yeah, know it's more toxic than it is positive yeah that's it feels like that lately anyway yeah but it's like the discourse around the movie was like oh is this movie going to start riots or incite violence or inspire the big buzzword oh this is a movie for incels you know and it's like oh my goodness are you seriously bringing up the whole incel thing and it's it's a double edged I'm, I'm convinced people don't know what the word means. <laughs> I feel like people are saying that word and don't even know what some people don't even know what they're saying when they say it. <laughs> yeah. Like I was watching like a video from Double Toasted a few weeks back before the movie came out when they were talking about the violence and Corey Coleman was commenting saying, like, there is no such thing as an involuntary celibate. It's just a bunch of entitled guys. That's all it is. <laughs> You're just entitled and you just feel like, oh man, girls the only like guys who are like jocks or something and they don't want a guy like me <laughs> and i'll tell you like there were times growing up where i used to feel that way you know but like i was a kid oh, yeah we all did we all had that i was a kid but it's all about self-improvement trying to better yourself regardless of your circumstances people are giving terrible hands in life which is explained in the movie but i don't think people let understands like when they come to see this movie they're not coming in to see... Like, the Joker is... Everyone knows the Joker is as evil as you can get for a villain. That's why they're going in to see it, because of curiosity. They're not seeing it because, oh, he's a hero, you know? And how dare you yeah, humanize you know what you're him. getting into. Yeah, so... Or you should know. You should know what you're getting into. <laughs> exactly. And I get the controversy in some cases, you know? I understand the concerns, given the world is terrible, <laughs> like, these days. Yeah. I don't, I'm not denying that at all, and I get the concern and and everything. Like, uh, it's it's interesting, but I argue that this movie is as big of a mirror to mainly America, I'd say, as you can get. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely a film of its time. Yeah, and I, when we look back on it, I'm sure it'll be rev- if it's revered years from now, it'll be revered for showing like a nice time. I f- not a nice time capsule. It'll be a time capsule for just how what we were going through. And, and also, like filmmakers are embracing the kind of like the darkness of what we're going through lately. I agree. And this is one of the biggest examples of that. I think the reason why it's going to be like why it's a perfect film for our time in terms of reflecting our culture is because it's for one comic book movies like the Marvel movies especially have dominated this decade you know, our pop culture discourse. Like, it's been the biggest thing in all of pop culture and movies. Like, kids are going to... Lo- they love superheroes more than ever now because of how popular the movies have been. So that's one thing. But it's using that uh, big brand of uh, comic book movies to tell a very... This movie's very political in, in many ways. You know, without, like... Uh, I think it does it well. Like, it talks about, like, certain topics. And... Uh, it's angry. This is an angry movie, and it's a. Oh, you could tell that Todd Phillips like that he had a chip on his shoulder and he wanted to get this out there. Yeah, like as soon as possible. Yeah, that's the thing. Todd Phillips has been in a bit of trouble from like the internet, which I understand. I think it's more of him using the wrong wording in the whole yeah, phrase. You get, you get what he's trying to say. I get it. Yeah, everything you say is like um, what's the word? Exaggerated. It's, it's exaggerated. Like I think he. Like um, I understand where he's coming from. I disagree. If if it's as what he says it is, I disagree because there's a lot of comedy out there that is very off color. Like you could just watch an episode of Always Sunny in Philadelphia, you know. And uh, so I've heard, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you get a lot of edgy stuff, and but it's hilarious, you know. I think 
I think like uh, he just used the wrong words. He just he could have worded it differently, you know, or because yeah, there's just a lot of controversy around the movie already, you know. So people are kind of projecting their dislike of Todd Phillips, which I get, but you know, it is what it is. But um, yeah. But yeah, like I really, I think this movie is gonna hold well at the box office every weekend for the time being because people are just curious, you know. Yeah. It doesn't really have much competition either. For a little bit. Yeah, Gemini Man comes out this, this week, which uh, is probably not going to do that well. Yeah, Will Smith isn't the box office draw he used to be. <laughs> yeah, like, it's weird. Like, Will Smith has the weirdest career. That's just a random tangent. Like, he has a very frust- yeah. he has a frustrating career to me because I think he should do uh, more roles that expand his craft as an actor. And um, he's trying to do what Tom Cruise is doing, which is capitalizing on what makes him a star. But Tom Cruise is doing it well, and Will Smith just isn't. I'd say he's still good in those roles. It's just he could do so much better, <laughs> you know, yeah, I agree. you know, but yeah, like uh, those are our thoughts on Joker, uh, spoiler free, and also on the discourse around the movie. Oh, another one thing I want to comment. Another frustration I have with the discourse around the movie is that some of the people I don't like to uh, engage on YouTube, like anytime I watch a geek video, and I think you might relate to this on YouTube, especially if it's like Star Wars related, I get a bunch of videos that pop up on my feed from channels I don't want to support. You know, <laughs> like um, I could watch one Joker review. Uh, okay, that's a nice review. And then all of a sudden, all these like extreme right wing <laughs> channels pop up. And uh, it's like, I didn't ask for all this. Yeah. And it's like, Oh man, like I've been arguing against like the way media has been trying to over-exaggerate and craft a narrative around the movie, but then I see all these like far right-wing channels prop it up and it's like, oh no, (laughs) but it's, it is what it is when you make a very wild and controversial for what it is movie. I, I think the discourse around the movie is more controversial than the movie itself. It's all manufactured. Yeah, I would agree. I'm sure we'll get into that more if we're talking about the spoilers. Yeah, which we're about to get into right now. So if you have not seen Joker, uh, tune out, watch the movie, and then come back. So is there any scene in particular that you want to bring up first in this spoiler section, John? Uh, I mean, I guess we could talk about the big scene. The knock knock scene. Oh man! If you want to go, the, if you want to go hard or go home first. The late. Oh, that's yeah. the one I've been replaying the most. The Murray. Oh yeah, that whole sequence, like right from like the green room when he's dressed up, getting ready with the put on a happy face written on the mirror, all the way to the show itself, and everything afterwards is just chilling. Let's. Oh man, like it. Well, he was just he just he just felt so so happy internally happy that he was about to kill himself on live television oh yeah that he was so and he was such in a peaceful peaceful place of suicide which is very very disturbing exactly and then it just gets even crazier yeah oh man that whole scene was just chilling from beginning to end like the way that uh it builds up because you see he's he was rehearsing to himself how he would appear on the show and everything. So he comes in, like, Smile is playing by the jazz, from uh, Charlie Chaplin, he's playing by, in the jazz band. He comes in, uh, he kisses that doctor on st- on stage, which, uh, oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> which some people saw, that's a tribute to what Heath Ledger did once at, like, a red carpet event. <laughs> he did something similar. That? Yeah. Oh, that's great. I'll look at it, I'll send it to you maybe after the show, or this podcast. And um, he really, <laughs> and then right from there, he he's playing into like the really off color humor 
you know, that it's not funny, which is ironic, right? Because a lot of people were thinking, oh, this is glorifying this and that and, and everything. No, it's it's showing, like, no, this is a bad man who should not be celebrated, who should be vilified and everything else because of entitledness. No, the movie never no. ever, I don't think the movie ever ever, like, takes his side on anything. No, it doesn't. It's just showing you his journey. The, yeah. So you can understand it, at least. Not, not condone it, but understand where he's coming from. Absolutely. And the point of That's that it. scene is... It's Todd Phillips, basically, and Scott Silver, basically screaming at the audience, like, ang- yeah, yeah, it's angry. <laughs> it's like, hey, um, this, this is, it's funny, because, like, people who think it's celebrating that, it's, like, actually, it's actually kind of, um, if anything, it's insulting or, like, um, making fun of those people who have those tendencies, like, the entitledness, especially of, like, the nerd audience, like I mentioned, those kinds of people that watch those YouTube videos that I don't want to look at, you know, mm-hmm. um, that's him because he's talking about he's so selfish and he makes excuses for like the tragedies in his life, which granted are tragic, but no excuse for that, which gives the dichotomy of him and Bruce Wayne, where in Arthur Fleck's case, the trauma in his life, like they both experience trauma, but in Arthur Fleck's case, he uses it for his own selfish gain and evils he gives in to the demons he embraces the demons he has whereas bruce we all know what happens to him <laughs> you know he becomes batman so yeah. that whole s- elegantly put there absolutely yeah. I agree with everything you just said which kind of plays into the whole like uh because um we've we're, we're led to believe that he may have been like the illegitimate son of thomas wayne and his mother penny you know, but um, then we see the yeah. They they go back and forth. That you you do or you don't know. You're not sure. Yeah, is he playing it off? Was she was she was the mother delusional? Yeah, we don't we don't really get a clear answer on that. Yeah. so they could be related. But yeah, it's interesting because I heard a lot of people think, oh yeah, it was just because he was lied to the whole time and he was adopted, which is probably the case. But when I first saw it, I took it as ambiguous of like. Maybe Thomas Wayne had a lot of things to hide, and because he's a rich billionaire, he was able to to use his resources yeah, to cover that stuff up. Yeah. yeah, I'm surprised nobody has thought of that interpretation as much, you know. But like, that's something that could easily be done because how many stories out there of like very successful men? Obviously, that's relevant. Like that have used their power to um hide their own skeletons in their closet, you know. So it's like that could be a way. You could think of like 20 <laughs> examples just in the past two years. Yeah, or in the last few weeks, honestly. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> yeah. to mention his name because his name is mentioned everywhere <laughs> in the world. Every yeah, second. second. Need to exacerbate it more. <laughs> yeah, though, that's the thing. The more you talk about the, peop- the, thi- the problems in this world, like directly, the ones who run on narcissism, the more they're winning, which <laughs> is... You're giving them power by... Well, especially by mentioning people by name. Yeah. That's what they want you to do. That's why I'm not mentioning this person's name. Everyone knows who I'm thinking of, <laughs> just as an, an example. But, like, <laughs> it's it's indicative of, like, the power that he has. So I that's how I initially took it. But then again, it could also be, like, just circumstances and everything else of, like, uh, she could have been delusional and it's abuse from her boyfriend. That, I, that could be, like, it, it could be taken either way. That's how I see it, at least. But I could understand why people yeah. will take it as like, oh, it's it's all delusional and everything else, which is what leads him to embracing his demons. But that whole scene when he pulls the trigger on on Murray is so chilling, and um, that it, it was it was visceral, yeah. like in how it felt like if this really happened on like I don't know, just the example, the Jimmy Fallon show, like it would, it's probably a little like the way everybody else reacted 
to him doing that in that movie. Yeah. Like his assistant, the audience, all that. Like it just felt like everybody had the right reaction. Indeed. Just by the way, Which just was, it was it was terrifying. It's funny watching uh, Joaquin on talk shows now. Whether it's on, uh, he was on Jimmy Kimmel Live, and he was on the Tonight Show with Fallon. So it's like, and he was there for Joker. So seeing him on any talk show, I'm like, oh, <laughs> nope. Yeah, that's that just goes to show. Hey, you you okay, Mr. Phoenix? You're you're good, right? That just goes to show how good he is in the movie. But um, other scenes, yeah. I like how uh they portray like um. The romance, apparent romance that he has with Zazie Beetz was all in his head. You know? Yeah, like, did, uh, you have, did you have the suspicion that something was off there? Oh, of course. they revealed that she wasn't there? Of course. I kind of had a sense that's where it was going, but I still like that they did that because it goes to show. Because most audiences will watch it go like, wait, what? This creepy dude? Yeah, a lot of people who don't really like follow up on that stuff, yeah, it'll be like a mind-blowing moment. Yeah, this creepy guy right here. Because he, after he kill, shoots those three um, young... Uh, pricks basically the, on the subway the uh wayne executives, the wayne executives you know and it's like he because he, he's running he goes back to the apartment he just knocks on the door he still has a makeup on and then uh zazie beats opens the door and they just start making out <laughs> and she's just like okay yeah i'm like you met her on an elevator like briefly if you like what was it, like a day ago or something yeah. like that like you're or what <laughs> and also no no normal woman for better or for worse would like immediately like embrace the stalker like who's stalking her the whole way through you know he, he was following her you know and she's like okay sure i'll go look at your stand-up uh, routine <laughs> you know yeah i got nothing else to do i don't have to take care of my daughter or anything Fine. <laughs> yeah you know so that that was I, I like how they did that everything was playing in his head i i like how the movie wasn't entirely literal in the case of like this is what's actually happening i like how it doesn't like uh you know, show things in an objective lens. And in some ways, you could argue that the movie is cyclical. It's him, like, in his own insane reverie, you know, like, that he's always playing in his head. Because in his first meeting with his therapist or so, he's talking about, like, a, he reflects back on his time where he was locked up in, like, the institution. And you could see it as, like, maybe yeah, he's... Arkham. Yeah, in Arkham Asylum, essentially. And he's, like, looking back at everything else, and it's like, oh, man, maybe everything is just... A repeated cycle you know and um i like that about it uh any other scenes you wanted to bring up that you keep thinking of i mean i've been watching a lot of random videos with todd phillips and i mean the, the clip is online so i guess it's not as much of a spoiler but the scene after he kills the wayne executives and he goes into the bathroom and just starts to dancing oh yeah i like todd phillips said he interpret like this is a man who in, like he's very internal <coughs> he play he's like very musical internally so, like, that's also in conjunction with the score, how he's feeling in that moment where he finally released after all this pain he's been having. Like, he killed these three people, and now he can finally just release yeah. and, like, feel a little bit of, I guess, happiness in his pain. Yeah. Embracing his and demons, like, it's yeah. It's just weird. It's like that, yeah, like that that duality there. Like, I really, it really hit me for some reason. I keep thinking about the dance. Oh, yeah. Like, he dances a lot in this movie. Whether it's like he does dance a lot in this movie. Yeah, he does. Like that one scene where he's shirtless and he has the gun, and he's just imagining like he's dancing. You know, maybe he's meeting up with Zazie Beetz or some something like that. And uh, like that whole scene was like darkly kind of funny when he actually pulls the trigger on accident. You know, and then uh, obviously yeah, I actually scared the shit. Out of it me. did for me too, but I knew something was up. You know, there's just yeah. It's like that whole like with the Hitchcock idea. You know, where you have a gun in the movie and you just be fired by the end of the movie. 
you know where so it's like that's textbook yeah. like film school kind of thought you know when he's given that gun by his coworker, you know you everything like it's all that co-worker's fault by the way it's it all if in a lot of ways it's thanks to him he's the joker mm-hmm. you know so that, he, that, what that jerk it's all his fault it's all his fault by the way let's talk about that scene like after he sm- after he uh, smothers his mom to death with the pillow he goes back to his apartment puts the makeup on and um his two old co-workers come back <laughs> and oh wow that scene is brutal <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was actually really effective. Like, how he just smashes this guy's brains in against the wall. Yeah. And it's like this big coat of blood oh, and the sh- that you see. What was the short guy's name again? I forget. Like, uh, I, I don't remember. But um, I loved him. Well, he just, like, jump, he's jumping for the lock. Oh, yeah. He's jumping for the lock. And then... <laughs> you can't reach. Or when, walking, when Arthur brings up... Like, he uses a British accent going like, Wow, can you imagine me on the telly? Because that short guy's British. Or English. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a... There was some... There was some it, it actually well placed dark humor in that. Yeah, scene. because you. I was also nervous. Like, is he gonna kill this guy? Like, even is he is he is he fucking with him? You know what I mean? He, both. He was like, yeah, I'm not gonna kill him. Like, why why should I? He's a sh- like, you. <laughs> it's you were nice to me. <laughs> yeah, that's basically what <laughs> it was, like essentially. But like, man, that's another scene I'll bring up. But um, there's a song that's used throughout the movie, uh, Frank Sinatra's um, uh, "That's Life," which is the catchphrase that's used to close the Murray Franklin show often. You know, as instrumental version of that song plays. But I love the way that song is used in particular, like, throughout the movie. Especially in the final scene, which some people have been polarized about, you know? I like the final scene just by how it embraces, like, he embraces his dark side. And he just revels in the chaos, essentially. Yeah, he's reveling in his insanity. The bloody footprints. And as he's just running around the asylum, likely to start his his chaos on gotham for even further essentially and uh, i yeah yeah and also let's talk about that this the way the stairs in the movie are used yeah like the walls like essentially showing the rise and fall of him mentally yeah well when he's going up the stairs like he's, he's like he's on an uphill battle literally uphill battle like he's going getting to his apartment yeah with his mom but when he goes down it's essentially like he's embracing going to hell basically like as he's dancing his way to hell or embracing it. I never it. thought about it like that with, with hell. Yeah, it's actually pretty interesting. He's like, like I said, like he's embracing the demons that are, he's been fighting with. So mm-hmm. there's that. And um, like, uh, oh. And that's also, that, that was also filmed in the Bronx too, which is. <laughs> it, you could tell that this movie was all in New York, you know, like um, the way it's shot and everything. But they really made, I think the way they made Gotham in this movie is the most gotham like the most raw interpretation of gotham we've seen yet on screen yeah it's the most grimy like it it, it could be a little it, it they do have fantastical elements but it does feel like a place that would actually exist but it has like the cinematic feel also indeed and uh um, yeah, yeah very cinematic the cinematography i can't talk about it enough i wanted to see this on like 70 millimeter so bad you know, are they showing it in seventy millimeter? I, I believe in, in some places. I believe so. Initially, I thought they were shooting it digitally, but apparently, no. It's like shot on celluloid. I think this would look beautiful projected on celluloid, and I'd love to see it that way if I ever could. Yeah. You know, and they use like the. I like how how vintage the movie feels. Like they use the old Warner Brothers logo at the beginning. You know. Yeah. And and the they also when when the big Joker logo pops up after he gets his ass kicked in by those kids. Yeah. They actually filmed that title separately on film and placed it 
they superimposed it on onto the frame. Yeah, that's the which is pretty cool. That was really fascinating. Yeah. Anyways, um, let's briefly touch on like the fact that this movie is meant to be a standalone. Todd Phillips has said that Joaquin Phoenix is never going to meet with Robert Pattinson. You know, like in his Batman. Mm-hmm. I, I would say never say never though. I would. I still think. I mean. I agree. When he when I heard those, so you know, yeah. you know there's gonna be you know there's gonna be meetings somewhere. When I heard those, this, when so I heard those headlines, I was thinking, what does does Arthur die at the end of the movie? Which I kind of thought would have really been very definitive if they said, oh yeah, this is a standalone movie. But um, given the nature of the movie being in its own world, I could possibly see it a situation where he appears in one of those. Because uh, Matt Reeves said he's doing a trilogy, or it's it's reported that it's a planned trilogy, and I'm just saying like mm-hmm. it'd be really difficult to have a trilogy of Batman movies and not have the Joker in one of them. Yeah, he's gonna be involved somewhere, somehow. and obviously, even if he's not like integral to the plot, he'll be around. And obviously, sure. Jared Leto's probably not gonna come back, given the fact no, he's gone. <laughs> given <laughs> he's gone. given the fact that this movie seems to be in its own world. Which is interesting, like, you know, apparently Jeffrey Wright is going to be Gordon, which is incredible, you know. Um, I'm curious to see how they bring... Yeah, that's a great, that's a great choice. I'm curious to see how they bring this, like, up to life. But I do, I could see it possible. I think it's possible. Like, I think Matt Reeves probably saw Joker recently and was thinking, and Robert Pattinson too, was probably thinking, like, I know this is a standalone movie, but how amazing would it be? Like I'm just, I'm just crapping my pants thinking of the idea. I mean, of wa- the idea of yeah. If you put it in your head, it seems pretty like Joaqu- not obvious, but it seems like a great magnetic duality and you there could, between those two actors bouncing off each other. That would be something. And when you see like a young Bruce Wayne in that movie, I could see Robert Pattinson. You know, I could see it. You know, like like they said the movie takes place in like the nineties or something. It could. Is that is it, he did say that right? I was thinking that that's it's heavily. Rumored. It would be like about 10, 15 years it's later. Heavily rumored like that, that it takes place during that time, but that would be so cool if that were the case. You know, like I think I think I think Robert Pattinson wants that to happen. I'm pretty sure he because knowing Robert Pattinson, he certainly reveres Phoenix, and he would love to work with him in in that case. You know, and I think Joaquin might actually be open to it, depending on the role, like. I think he really enjoyed playing the character more than he expected, you know. So it's like, okay, maybe. Yeah, I agree. Maybe, but I'm. I don't think he would. I don't think he would like work with Matt. I think if he was, I think if it was Todd Phillips related, I think he would. Or if I'm not sure, he would jump onto a Matt Reeves. Film, it will depend unless they got him in the meetings and he liked what he heard. It'll depend on that, or if Todd decides he'll take like an executive producer credit or something because. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So I'm curious to see where the future of DC films goes. I'm pretty sure this is not going to be the last of these DC black label movies where it's just going to be standalone stories. Uh, are there any c- certain kind of standalone stories you'd like to see DC do with these kinds of movies? DC. I mean, I'm more of a Marvel guy, but I'm trying to think of like a DC character that's well known. I mean, honestly, you can. I like Green Lantern, but you're not going to do like something like this with Green Lantern. Like who's like maybe like John Constantine? Yeah, Const- another cool. Constantine movie. It'd be funny if they um, did like Lex Luthor, you know, like a billionaire story. But then again, it's like what they're gonna do a Lex Luthor movie, but they're gonna put a hold on Superman movies. <laughs> I'm I'm really yeah. People are still mad about that because it's been almost seven years since 
the last Superman movie came yeah, out. Yeah, standalone at least. Like, we don't know what they have planned for Superman. Like, yeah. the thing with Superman and DC and Warner Brothers is that, like, you can never, it's, it's almost like it's a, a lose lose because um, when you do something different, people aren't going to like that. But if you embrace the sameness of, like, the Reeve era, the Chris Reeve era, people are going to go, like, oh, that's too similar. It's like the Star Wars thing all over again. Yeah, you're right. You can't win. You know, although with J.J. Abrams involved with Warner Brothers now because he's moving Bad Robot to Warner Brothers, apparently. Apparently, he went there because... They can, they, he, can get, he can get that script going again that they were writing like years ago with Kevin Smith. So. Yeah. Apparently, yeah, J.J. went to Warner Brothers over other places like Apple because of the IP Warner Brothers has. And I'm pretty sure he means he'd be interested in doing a DC Comics-related thing. And I could see him... I think J.J. would be a good fit for, like, a Superman movie. Yeah, because he would, he, he, he would instill the fun of, like, an actual superhero, like a, like, a superhero of his stature. But he would also have, like, the gravitas with the, with the actual acting, too. Yeah. He knows how to balance all that. Yeah. To make, like, a fun, even if it's not, like, a great movie, like, a fun, entertaining movie that you're not going to forget. That, and also, J.J. Abrams, uh, I think he gets great performances from his actors, you know, and all. And yes, always. He's a great. He's a very good actor. In every one of his movies, like um, even the movies with the lesser scripts, you know, like Into Darkness, like the acting in those movies are still like solid across the board. I could go on and on about Force Awakens and how great that, how incredible that cast is, especially in that movie. But you know, that's another story for another time. Uh, anyways, John, um, th- that was our thoughts on Joker 2019. You and I both enjoyed it, from what it seems. And uh, absolutely, we like that it exists. Essentially, uh, thank yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm glad it's there for a debate <laughs> and and health, healthy discussions. Of course, that's that's why I had you on because I'm I'm <laughs> tired of like like a lot of the the discourse around the movie just gotten so annoying. Especially as the movie released, there's some people on like Letterbox, which you and I both I'm pretty sure use in some ways. Like there's so many an, like annoying people on there that I don't follow because you know it's like whatever but i'm glad to talk to you about it because i know our conversation on it was gonna be measured and not angry you know so i'm glad i just want to say thank you for appearing on this with me you know no it's a pleasure to be on here and talk more about it because i've been replaying again as i mentioned before i've been replaying a lot of this movie in my head yeah so it's nice to be able to like talk about it with people indeed exactly so uh is there anything you wanted to plug right now um i mean i'm still on my mothman jones movie channel it's just exactly how it says mothman jones i'm doing my weekly podcast and i may do a video on halloween horror nights i might bring my camera so we'll see about that but yeah i'm still doing this weekly movie show so if you want to tune in and subscribe then i'm i'm here all right thank you john hopefully you're going to obviously you're going to enjoy your time in florida halloween horror nights uh, galaxy's edge and all that that. take all the pictures you can take all the videos you can and everything else have a good time when you're there have a safe trip obviously and this is noah villaverde once again host of the blank green canvas podcast once again i wanted to apologize for not uh doing content lately it's been busy this is my last semester for my undergraduate degree so i had to focus on that among other busy times yeah among other things i have to take care of you know but um i'll tell you this what i'll tell you this much uh next week there will be another episode where me and um guests that are to be determined will discuss El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie, and Breaking Bad, the series. That comes out tomorrow, oh my god. Or tonight, at midnight. Ooh, oh shit. I still can't believe it exists and it's happening. 
It's so weird. <laughs> it feels like yesterday when I saw the series finale. I was in high school back then. Wow, man, that's fr- yeah, that's time flies, man. Well, anyways, thank you, John, for appearing, and thank you for listening to the Blank Green Canvas. Thank you again. Yes, thank you for listening to the Blank Green Canvas podcast. I will see you on that episode on El Camino, Breaking Bad movie. Take care. Thank you.